All right, welcome in on another episode of the Outside of the Lines podcast. Today, we're going to give a little brief rundown on the Baylor game. It was a tough one. And then we'll uh, close the show with the Kansas preview. But first, we want to give a quick shout out to BNC Fieldhouse. We love BNC Fieldhouse. It has the best drink deals on all of Welch Avenue, as well as the best place to watch the big game and grab a great bite to eat. So go and support our boy, Ben. You can find him at either AJ's Ultra Lounge, Mickey's, or BNC Fieldhouse. But please head on over there. Enjoy the games this weekend. Should be a fun one. And we'll just go right into it. Baylor, it was a tough one. New, Liam, let's hear your thoughts. Well, well, first, uh, I just, on, on an unrelated note to Iowa State football, Newt, do you hear that? Mason, his microphone actually works. So from a producer standpoint, shout out Mason for getting it figured out on episode six. Uh, I'll, I'll let Nuke go first on this one because I, I debugged my entire computer. Mm -hmm. Good job. Shout out the (laughs) the tech genius who had to handle that hot mess. So, oh, it was was a big one. It was a big one. Yeah. Go ahead. We're so proud of Mason figuring out technology. Um, it only took a month at least probably. Um, yeah. Baylor, uh, not fun. Didn't enjoy it. Why don't we have a special teams coach? <laughs> it, I feel like we say this crazy. every year. It's um, every year. There's always one or two games where something on special teams just like absolutely screws us over. And it was wild. If you look at the end of the game stats, just the box score here, Iowa State literally outperformed Baylor in every single category. Even like the big, even stuff like turnovers. This game was legitimately lost on special teams. It is exactly where we lost this game at. Obviously, the defense did not come out strong, and that was that was not a good look. But that's not on them. They've played extremely well to start the entire year, and at some point, the offense is going to have to carry them. You can't expect the defense to show up perfectly for twelve games every single year, and then they still turned it on in the second half and did a great job there. But oh my gosh, dude, specialty. Like, I love Matt Campbell. I, I will rarely ever say something bad about Matt Campbell, but he's he's got to do something about this because it's such a big aspect of the game. And it's not like a it's not a one-time blunder. This has happened multiple times over multiple years. And you cannot keep shooting yourself in the foot with stuff like that when it's so crucial to field position to overall game momentum and stuff like that. And we we saw like just this is a perfect example of it. The, the you know, you give up a, a, a kickoff touchdown return uh, once your or once your team's starting to play well and get momentum back. You have a terrible punting the entire day. Like there's there's no good punting. I Corey Dunn had a punt that maybe had the hang time of I'm not even kidding. It was easily probably less than a second and a half. He punted it and the guy was catching it like like that. And I mean, that, that screws over your entire coverage team. And they, they switched the field on that, that punt um, return as well. It was like a 43 yard punt return and it it got them the ball down. And we were lucky that they, they played extremely conservatively, ran the ball three times and kicked a field goal. But if they would have tried some end zone shots or something, I mean, the game would have been over and that would have been an even bigger talking point from it, but it's just, it's frustrating. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's annoying because we we've had this stuff before and it's just, it's really silly to kind of be the better team on, on both sides of the ball. Obviously the first half was not great, but 
you know, second half kind of offense kind of woke up a little bit and, and everything, but like, it's, it's just frustrating because you know, Baylor won this did win this game, but we also definitely lost this game. And, and I think that's the thing that's really annoying because I don't think that we should be losing games like this when we have the better talent, I think the better coaching and and stuff like that. So it comes down to preparation and and game plan and, and things like this that just kind of, you know, turn the tide. And when you're, when you're playing, in Waco and on the road, you, you can't have this kind of stuff happen. And that's what happens. And that's why we're two and two now. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's crazy Dude. to think that like Brock could throw a 50 yard interception. We'd be better off with all of the punts that we had. Like it's the punting easy to get figured out. What are we going to say, Liam? Yeah, Newt, I'm going to go off your first point. So I got to, I came prepared with some stats, very revel of me, but I'm going to go through, uh, five categories here from our two losses, and you guys tell me how many categories our opposing team that we lost to beat us in. So total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, and first downs. How many? How many categories do you, do you think we we're beaten in in our two games? Zero, and and those three. <laughs> yeah, the the answer is yeah, zero. And even penalties, we had less penalty yards than our other team. So. I'm glad I'm glad to be back on it. I'm glad we're doing this on a Monday because if you would have asked me to record this podcast at probably eight o'clock on Saturday night, I it, it would have been extremely ugly. And uh, it's going to be back on after three weeks. But after last week, you know, that Mickey Mouse team, UNLV, absolute trash. All of us thought that we were going to get back in and oh, we're in the groove of things early. But to go out and blow this game against, I mean, the fourth best team in the Big 12, it, it's just horrible. And don't get me wrong, special teams, they were bad. But Brock Purdy's got to be better. I He misses some throws that I just I don't understand how he's missing them. And he's ranked 81st in the nation right now for quarterback, uh, quarterback rating. And if it had not been for last week, I think he'd be out of the top 100. So I, I just... I, I think with him being there for so long, I, I don't understand how he – and he, it's not like it's new receivers. He's returning, you know, two of his top guys. He has Charlie Kohler, and he also has X returning on, on the outside. And he also has Joe Skates and a couple other – Sean Shaw and a couple other guys that can make plays. So it's it's not the receiver's fault. I – I don't know. It's going to take Brees Hall to just bail us out of all these games. And I, Brock is great. He holds records and everything at, at, our, at Iowa State. But Brees is going to have to keep bailing us out of games as Brock is going to keep making these plays where just I, I don't understand how he can't make some of these throws. But Mason, you know, it you is got? it is crazy just because I, Brock has received a lot of heat this year. And I think some of it is deserved like he as a veteran you got to be better than what we're currently seeing you, you can't make a lot of some of these mental mistakes you can't be late to a lot of your reads like this is the stuff that should be buttoned up at this point in your career but i this is jared stansbury so credit to him i just want to read off a quick tweet brock birdie is 130 passing yards away from being the sixth player in the big 12 history with 10,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing per isu game notes the other five are Baker Mayfield, Colt McCoy, Sam Ellinger, Trayvon Boykin, and Robert Griffin III. Now, someone brought up a good point because my first thought was, okay, well, Brock Brock is probably holding some of these records because of his longevity. But then you look at the other names there, and 
Brock's played in 39 games to this point, right? McCoy has played, or he played in 53. Baker and Boykin played in 48. Ellinger, 46. RG3 in 41. So even RG3 at 41, Brock is still there at 39. It shows like how dominant he was the, you know, first half of his year. And I think, you know, we all would say that his drop off from last year to 2019 was noticeable, but it's, it's again, noticeable from 2020 to 21. So it just feels like there's a slow but noticeable progression. And I, I don't know. I honestly can't figure his thing out because a lot of his plays, he looks fantastic. He looks like he has the moxie that he started with, but um, I, you're right. I, I think we just got to fine tune a lot of those kind of mental errors and those slow reads to get him to just get him back on track. I mean, on a positive note, Brees was a fucking monster this game. And it was it was awesome to see because we hadn't really had those. I'm not going to even count the UNLV game, but we hadn't seen a big Brees run that like he's known for. And it was great to see him get one or two of those this game and just how he's how he's back to how he was kind of last year. We definitely saw that this year, this game, but. I mean, when you have a quarterback who's not really hitting his targets that well, and you couldn't really tell by the stat line because Brock did have a good stat line, but when you have a quarterback who's not really hitting his targets, especially when we have wide open players that can, I think there was like a third and four where he missed a wide open uh, Xavier Hutchinson and knew you even texted right you know, behind Brock's got to make that throw. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. This, this was this was such a winnable game, and it's and it's just it's just I mean. For the expectations being so high, and we definitely did this to ourselves, but the expectations were so high. And if you would have told me we've lost against Iowa, okay, we you guys even predicted that in the preseason preview, said we will probably lose to Iowa, okay. But if you would have told me we lost to Baylor, come on. I mean, that's just hard to swallow, you know. And and Baylor scumbags. I, I would have <laughs> rather lost to K-State. Baylor are scumbags, and it was we we got to go into that Twitter beef. Basically. Oh my god! We got <laughs> so just to fill everyone in because I doubt that everyone's seeing this. But um, I don't know. We just posted a video about the fight from last year, no, two years ago, with David Montgomery and pretty much the entire Baylor team, and it was an all-out brawl. It was beautiful, honestly. If you're a fan of that grittiness, then you'll love that type of you know that type of content. But granted, not a lot of people like it, so. Anyway, we had some people commenting on it, and I don't know the dude's name, but he basically tagged Greg Roberts, and he was right. He said, the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen is watching a player jump over a ref to punch another player in the face while he's wearing a helmet, and then he tagged Greg Roberts. So he's not wrong. I mean, that was very stupid, and, and you know, two years from now, it, it'll always be stupid. It, dumbass decision, right? But Greg replied and just said, hop off my jock. And I said, hey, man. That's fair. That's fair. We haven't talked to you. We don't know your side of the story. Come on the pod, share with us. So Greg Roberts right now has our link to this Zoom recording. He is welcome to come on at any time and share his side of the story. Um, however, I don't I don't think he's actually going to hop on. You know, it, it seemed for a second like he was interested um, until he replied. And then it became Inside very now. evident. He, he replied, very evident that so, he's not. So, so Mason tweeted out, would love to get your side of the story from this fiasco. If you're interested in coming on the pod, let us know and we can sit, get something set up. Very professional. Good job, Mason. Very professional. And uh, I was honest. Greg, I wanted to hear about Greg it. Greg responds, Greg responds, nah, I'm good. 
So I had to hop in there and say, Greg, you seem really upset about this. Do you want to come on a podcast that I'm on to discuss? And he also responded, no, I'm good. So, And then we continued to ask him on Instagram, pretended as if he was saying yes. And then he uh, put the nail in the coffin by saying, A, the running back must be too high profile to ask, which, I mean, yeah, obviously. Do you think we're going to get Brees Hall on this? No, no. We're not going to get him on here. It'd be awesome. We would have to hold him at gunpoint. (laughs) Yeah, dude. You You will do this podcast. Best running back in college football on our podcast. Absolutely not. So, yeah, no, we already know that, but he's right. You know, we're not going to get him on. But, Brees, if you're listening to this, come on just out of spite of Greg Roberts. So, and and please refollow us back on Twitter, Brees, because you followed our original account um, before it was uh, suspended. suspended. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like it's only fair for you to give us a follow back again. So that's I, I do want to piggyback off of the Brees Hall thing because I'm so upset because you could just tell that he wanted to win this fucking game. Like he had multiple fourth yard or fourth down runs where he got hit behind the line of scrimmage or behind the 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 yard to gain for a first down. And he just said, like, he said, fucking no, like I'm not going down. I'm going to run through you. I'm going to make sure I pick up the shit. He was running hard. He was running piss off. You could just tell that like Brees was there and was gave everything to win this game. And I think that's the thing that upsets me the most is because he was just running so hard. I was like, Brees Hall is keeping us in this game. Even when our offense was horrendous in that first half like we were lucky to be as close as we were at halftime before like i i even tweeted that account i was like the fact that we're only down eight points going in a half right now is very lucky because we look like shit besides Brees hall and that was kind of the theme throughout the, the rest of the game for the most part like Brees was just running like a man you know possessed and and breaking tackles and really showing why he you know got sixth place in the heisman last year so it was really nice to see that but it was really annoying to see uh i mean he almost had 200 yards he had 190 yards and two touchdowns and a receiving touchdown and that just kind of went to waste because we couldn't do um the other aspects of the game well enough to win so you guys think it was a pass interference on the two-point conversion Brock was down anyways when he when he yeah. picked up the snap his knee was down so like oh, yeah, they would right. they would have reviewed that and he would have he would have been down and in college Did you're down figure uh, out what that was was that like a muff it's snap? just a muff snap oh boy I know and and I hate to like pile on the Iowa State the Iowa state continues to lose train and lose in hilarious fashions, but that that's a bad way to lose. Like it's kind of like the Iowa muff punt. Like if you're going to lose, at least go out strong. Don't, don't lose on that play. And obviously it's not like you're intending to lose that way, but that those are the details. Those are the details that Campbell talks about. And those are the details that we so pridefully celebrate. And again, if you're going to lose a game, just give it your best shot. Like Oklahoma, I think in 2019 or yeah, it was Oklahoma 2019. We had, played a really close game against Jalen Hurts and lost at the very last play of the game. I think it was a, a, a dropped, I don't even want to call it a drop ball on Kolar, but it was just, it was a tough play. That's an okay way to lose. Do not lose off a muff pump, off a muff snap. It's just, those are things that you cannot lose the game on. And it's going to get Iowa a lot of State. pissed off fans. I know, but can we not be Iowa State any longer? Like, can we move past that history of Cyclone football to finally move forward with, you know, some cleanup. Yeah, I think at this point, it'd almost just be nice. Like, if we're going to lose a game at the start, I just bet, can we get our shit kicked in instead? So it's not just like this string along, like, 
dude, I had like no fingernails on Saturday. I was, I was like, just those fuckers were gone. Like from the third quarter on. Cause I like, I know this game's going to go down to the wire. And I know that like, we're not playing well enough or we're going to somehow just like, you know, every Iowa state fan has that. Like, you know, that's always going to get to that like last second point and you are going to be anxious for three and a half hours, no matter what. Like, there's no such thing as an easy win or easy loss. Like, sometimes it's nice to have an easy loss. Like, you're just like, oh, we are down 30 points in the third quarter. This game is irrelevant. See ya. Like, we did not show up. And instead, you get this truly, like, kick in the nuts of, oh, wow. Like, we finally drove back down, you know, and we just need two-point conversion, and that's how it you go out. And then we even got like multiple onside kicks to do at the end too. So it's just like, oh yeah, like let's really string it along. So like the, the entire time, it's just, it's tough, man. I, I, I love, I would say like, but man, it, they are just, they're so toxic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Toxic is right. I, and I'm worried about looking. I mean, I kind of mentioned that Baylor was the fourth or fifth, but best big 12 team. If we look at our schedule now, I'm worried about how the rest of the season is gonna gonna pan out because I mean we'll talk about this soon, but we have Kansas next week, then we're away against Kansas State, and then we host Oklahoma State at home, then go to Morgantown against West Virginia, who just played Oklahoma really tight. So I mean, it's not gonna get easier after next week. What is crazy, you know, piggybacking off of that Oklahoma game, they're obviously slated to win it all. And they have not looked good for a single week they've been out there. Spencer Rattler, I'll admit, I thought he was the best quarterback. He's, I still kind of think he's the most talented. But they really just have not, you know, came to play in a lot of their games. And what's so weird is after we lost to Iowa, you almost have to root for Oklahoma and Iowa State to win out and Iowa State to beat them in the Big 12 in order for us to have any CFP, CFP hopes. Excuse me. Obviously, that's out the door. We can say goodbye to that. Um, but now it's almost like, where are we? Where, where are these standings? Because the three undefeated teams are currently Baylor, Texas. No, not Texas. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Th- just those three, correct? Am I missing any? Is, is K-State undefeated? K-State might be. I'm not checking. But nonetheless, like, we're already down they, to. They just played Oklahoma State. Did they lose? I did not watch. The they lost to Oklahoma after. State. Yeah, they, they lost, they lost State. by 11 points to Oklahoma State. Okay. So, but but that's the thing. We're already down two. Like, we're really digging ourselves in a hole here. And our hopes are college football playoff to an extent, but I I still thought that was a little little bit taller. But the hopes were an attainable Big 12 championship. I'm just saying the media perceived us as potentially being a a college football playoff team. As an Iowa State fan, I knew that wasn't going to happen. But Big 12 championship, those hopes were very real. And, I mean – to still look at the the talent we have on the team from a talent aspect, I think there's still, there's still some depth to that hope, but when you're starting out two and two and facing against, you know, some very solid big 12 teams, I'm not saying they're the best conference in the league, but Oklahoma will always be solid. Oklahoma state will always be solid. And then there's going to be those two other teams that are always going to be contenders. And right now we're not even those two other teams. I would say Kansas state has been looking far better than Iowa state, at least from what I've seen. So it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. It really is. But to, to Baylor's point, knew, you pointed this out. They, are, they were a fast team. They definitely were. And they kicked our ass on special teams. 
Um, Jerry Bohannon, he played about as exactly as I thought he would play, just solid ball. And, and that's what's proving to beat Iowa State. You don't have to be a great quarterback to win these games, and that's usually what we see in college football. But you just have to be suitable in order to beat us, and it's because we're beating ourselves in so many other categories. I didn't think our secondary was that good either. That's something we haven't really touched on, but that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they were in the second. Like, I think Bohannon maybe threw for max like 20 yards or definitely less than 50 in the second half. I'm looking at stats right now. He was 14 for 19 for 164 yards, two touchdowns. And I would say 80% of that yardage at least came in the first half. Like the defense made adjustments and shut stuff down. You know, Baylor's only point scored was the kickoff return. That was their only touchdown. And then their only other point score in the second half was off of the punt return when they literally got the ball uh, to start on our 15-yard line. Other than that, they didn't do anything for an entire second half because the defense did their fucking job again. Obviously, they exactly. they, had, they had a rough first half, and, and Jerry Bohan did a great job. But he, he, did, he did what they needed to do. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't cause, like, turnovers for them um, for the most part and kind of just took what Iowa State gives and – that was, you know, he had the one fumble, and that was just a great defensive play. Someone punched it out as he was going down. But I, I don't know. It's, it's, this one's just tough to swallow because it, it was like it, a classic, like, tale of two halves type deal where just like, I don't know, like this team That's did not look awake in the first half, and then they realized it in the second half and tried to mount a comeback, and it was too late, and they do that. A decent amount of time. Um, a decent hey, amount hey, of time. Hey, look on the bright side. At least we have basketball to look forward to, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Still shout out <laughs> no, to that Baylor-Iowa State game. The non – what was it? Whatever. The winless Iowa State team almost beat the national champions in Baylor. That would have been wild. I wish we could get that one back. Yeah. <laughs> no. True. I, I don't um, know. Mason, you talking about I still think this team, like, there's no doubt in my mind that they can contend and, and try and sneak into the Big 12 championship game, but they're just, they're going to have to play perfect. Like, they, they, they can't have these slip ups. But it's also like, we kind of mentioned it at the start of the season where it's like, this is the first year where they're going to have to play with the target on their back. Mm-hmm. It hasn't looked great them playing with the target on the back. And now the target's kind of not on their back anymore. Like, everyone's like, oh, like, you know, we, We'll be lucky if we're ranked. I, I don't even think we're ranked anymore. Like, no, we're not. No, like, we're, yeah, fell we're out of the not. top 25. Fell out. Yep. So, honestly, deservedly so. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Oh, I agree. 100%. There's no way in hell that we've looked like that. The, the defenses look the part of a, a ranked team, but the offense and the special teams are, are have not really. So they haven't. And there's no excuse the for special either. teams, but. Um, like the experience we have on our offense, there's no excuse. I know. Like we, we've talked about our weapons, like. Tariq Milton, oh my gosh, like two years ago, that guy was our big play guy. And then we haven't even talked much about Sean Shaw this year, but he's been, I think this is his second year starting. I haven't seen a ton from him. And Xavier, started, you know, and all of them are like 6'10. We have the tallest yeah. wide receivers ever. These guys we are just, huge. We got to figure out a way to really just. And I don't, I hate to say this because I don't have the solution. So I, I sometimes hate being critical when I myself don't know how to fix it. But to just be bland, we got to figure out how to use our weapons because we have them there. And even a guy like Jirel Brock, hell of a player. 
I feel like we're still not getting him going. So the, the worst part is, is, is I shouldn't be critiquing because I don't know the answer, but I just know that we are not using our weapons like we should. I think I personally think we can spread the ball out a little bit more, you know, use every single inch of the field. Uh, sometimes it feels like we're just too run and gun down the middle. Um, and then I, I think sometimes our throws that we take are a little bit more conservative, uh, even though we have had a lot of mistakes. But at the end of the day, just find ways to get your weapons going and still confidence in them. But I do want to give a quick shout out. Chase Allen, he had a pretty damn good game. 98 yards off seven receptions, average of 14. Charlie Kolar, too, with five receptions, 71 yards. So, you know, we got some guys that can play, and we just got to find ways to utilize them and utilize them just more frequently. Like, I feel like we're just not getting, you know, these playmaker plays that we need. Yeah, Chase doesn't get enough of a shout-out because a lot of the time, I mean, everybody notices when he's catching stuff, but he, he does have some critical blocks on long breeze runs. So Chase Allen doesn't that is get very enough true. love. But, uh-huh. but, yeah, I mean, you're you're right, Mason. Everything he said was right. I feel like it's just we just got to move on. I mean, it is what it is now. So Shout-out Rory uh, with the tackle. On, shout out. I got one more thing. I, I just want to tackle here. two of his players, two of Iowa State's players, too, which was a bummer. <laughs> I love you, Rory. We love you, Rory. Um, Tom Fernelli tweeted today, uh, we're special teams EPA leaders through week four in college football. Nebraska's first with minus almost minus 38 uh, EPA. I, I believe that's expected points against just due to due to that. I would say another company in, oh, in all of college football at minus 16 points on, on special teams. That's only through four games, like <laughs> seventh. We're up there with Nebraska, Tulsa, Western Michigan, Arizona state, Texas tech and Vanderbilt Vanderbilt. We're in the same category as Vanderbilt. Elite college that, football program. Oh my gosh. Has any like reporter asked Campbell, are you thinking about hiring a special teams coach? Because the whole 33% offense, 33% defense, 33% special teams, that's not a, that's not real, but special teams is probably the easiest way to lose on big plays. I would say majority of big plays come from special teams. And I mean, that's where momentum comes from and that's where the game gets turned around. So has anyone even easiest place to change field position? Yes. It's it's, very important. It's, it's why I mean, Rory talked about it. He's like, yeah, like, that's where he puts in the time and the work and the effort because it's extremely important. The ball changes hands and it's a huge change in field position. And it's just, it, it doesn't feel like, I, I know it's not being ignored, but it feels like it's being ignored or it's just like, like, you know, kicked to the wayside or something, but it's like, it's been so consistent and it's like in all aspects of it, like we've had, we've had so many big kickoff returns against us. Like it was a huge thing. We're like, wow, we finally have someone who can kick a touchback or maybe kick it out of the end zone for once. Like the entire fan base on Twitter is like rejoicing at the fact that we might've like signed a kicker who could do that because we were so afraid of how bad (laughs) our coverage was. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's crazy. And like the punting has been so bad for years now. And you guys I, I also know. miss Kirby Vanderkamp. That guy was a stud. Yeah, he was so good. And like, I get that we don't, maybe don't have to punt as much because we actually have like a competent offense. And Kirby Vanderkamp got so many in game reps with at the end of Rose's tenure that like he was just punting 10 times a game. And that unit was just like a fucking well oiled machine. Here but we go again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> still, it's just they like, were Iowa State's offense. 
yeah but like it, it's just wild how this has become such a big aspect and such a big like you know thing that affects the outcome of games and if you want to be a great team this is this is a place where you can't slip up like it's just it's so frustrating too because if you anyone that watches football just knows how important the details and special teams matter and i i hate to beat a dead horse but like we just saw justin tucker win a game off of a game-winning field goal. Now, I know that that we shouldn't ask our team of that, but that just goes to show, do you know how many games are won off of the tiny details in special teams? Do you know how many game-winning kicks are kicked? Do you know how many times you can lose field position just with like a muff punt? Like, it's not rocket science, and it feels, you're exactly right. It feels like we're the the dog meme just sitting in the room of fire saying this is fine when we know that our special teams units on fire, but we're not doing anything about it. And, and I know that we have grad assistants to help with that. That's great. But I, the average program has a special teams coach. Why aren't we doing that? I don't know. Yeah, it's really it, hard it's like to implement a change like now, like there's like, Oh, okay. Like, like you only get a certain amount of hours now. Like this is, it's not an easy problem to fix on the fly in the middle of the season because it's going to take away from preparing elsewhere now. So, like, it's just really frustrating to see this be a continual theme year after year. Like, that's a really this is point. something that they've known about. It's been something that you want to button it up before the season. You're exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say we're, we've gone up to the same brick wall uh, 20 times. Uh, and we've hit our head against the brick wall the first time. It's like, oh, I wasn't sure if that hurt as bad as I thought. So we've hit it, hit our head into it 20 times and now we're basically dead and that's our special team. So that's the analogy I got. Um, that was Mason, a good cowardism. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, exactly. Well, should we move on to a uh... hot wife? Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead Mason. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I'm done with Baylor. I yeah, freaking hate them. Why couldn't they have gone to the SEC? Because the SEC doesn't want them, and Big 12 doesn't even want them. I freaking hate them so much that if you guys are cool to be done talking about them, um, I am too. Yeah, yeah let's, let's, just, let's just move on to Kansas. Okay. And Greg on Roberts still has not shown up to his interview today, so everyone slide in his DMs, <laughs> give him some shit about not – following through on his commitments with coming to this interview. All right. You have, you have our permission to call him a coward. You do have our permission, but please don't ever give him our physical address. He would absolutely kick our asses. Every single one of our asses. Probably if we took them all, all three on at once, I think you'd still get us, but David Montgomery probably jump in for us. Enough about that. Kansas. I would just wear a helmet. All right, before we get into the Kansas preview, just want to give a quick shout out to the folks over at Access who is supporting victims of sexual abuse and domestic abuse. They're holding a fundraiser on Friday, October 9th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's right, it's bye week, so you don't have the Iowa State game excuse. Unless you're going to BNC Fieldhouse to watch another big game, we better see you guys at the Bag Weeks tournament. And hey, who knows? Maybe we'll have a special guest starring Rory Walling at the Bags Week Tournament. Chase, just kidding. We will. He is going to be there. And there will be other ISU athletes selling merchandise and taking pictures with fans. There will be door prizes, food and beverages, and live entertainment, and, of course, some local business giveaways. So how do you sign up a team? 
Go to eventbrite.com, search Bi-Week Bags Tournament Fundraiser, and that's how you can sign up your team right there. It's a great cause. If you guys don't know much about ACCESS, it's an acronym for Assault Care Center Extending Shelter and Support. Again, really good cause. I recommend everyone goes and researches it. And if you aren't able to make the Bags Tournament, please just see what you can do to uh, throw them throw them what you can, throw them some support. We love ACCESS, and good luck to everyone participating in the Bags Tournament. And now we'll deep dive into a Kansas preview. So, it's I mean, how are we feeling? Is it the same preview as UNLV? Just roll it is the exact same everyone? preview as UNLV. Okay. <laughs> they just lost against fucking Duke. They lost against Duke. I thought Duke was the worst team in the country. It's getting brutal. It's getting really brutal. And, I mean, transitive property, Baylor beat them 75 to 7. So, if we lose to Baylor by whatever the hell we no, just 45 lost. 45 to 7. What did I say? I think you said 75. Okay. That or I just misheard that. <laughs> They're so bad that I would 100% believe that. Stab. Yeah. Oh, 75 it, it could have been. I don't know. All I'm going for here is a big fat donut. I think our defense will shut them out. Like, full-fledged shut them out. Not a single – oh, <laughs> I was just about to say um, not a single special teams mishap, but maybe maybe I should tune it back. All right. Actually, we'll you know what? You points. know what Campbell should do this that? week? This week they should only fucking do special teams every single day of the week because it's Kansas. Like, it should just be like, all right, today we are just locking down on kickoff coverage, and we are going to run kickoff coverage for our whole two hours of practice today. And then we are going to punt for seven fucking hours the rest of the week. I don't even know however much practice time they get. (laughs) But, like... (laughs) That's a pretty good way to ruin um, someone who's mentally weak like me. Oh, I'd be so much worse after a practice like that or after a week like that. Well, they should go to Connor... They should go to Connor Asali and be like, Connor, you're giving the hype up speech this week just to get everybody in the mindset of special teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. What is but, decent, though, is you're right. We got Kansas. Might as well call it a bye week. And right after that, we have an additional bye week and go right into Kansas State. Kansas State solid. So it'll be nice to have that extra time. But then then we got Oklahoma State. Then we got West Virginia. Then we got Texas. A little bit of break in Oklahoma at the end of the year. But that, that's that's what's frustrating. You know, we, we can't start off two and two and lose to Baylor. Ah, but Kansas, I feel comfortable about that game. Yeah, it, it also sucks back to Oklahoma. I mean, Spencer Rattler is such a likable guy. It sucks seeing him do so bad. Such a he, shame. He's such an, he's such an asshole. The, mm-hmm. the clip resurfaced of him doing the QB one on ESPN, how he was just screaming at his teammates for not catching the ball, so. And him yeah, doubling down on it after his, like, I think his friend's <laughs> yeah, name was like was JT. Hilarious. He's like, dude, you never bring me up. He's like, that's because you suck. I'm like, all right, you're doubling down on it. Like, good for you, man. We know exactly where you stand on everything. So we don't have to sit here wondering. I'll have to throw the clip in right here just so the listeners can hear it in case they missed it. But please do. Oh, and also one last little shout out. So this is why doing this podcast is actually really fun. And I haven't told you guys this. I wanted to get your guys' reaction. But Bailey on Instagram, Bailey Catherine, that's her That's her name. She slid in our DMs and basically wanted to give some flowers to the marching band instructor. So her name is Elena Foster. On our Marching Murdoch interview, you know, if, if you guys are unaware, he had a very famous moment where he stood up and basically conducted the band after the uh, – the great win against TCU back in 2017. And we were talking about how she doesn't get the recognition that she deserves. So Elena Foster, 
everyone remember her name. She was the one that told Marchie that he could come up there and conduct it with, with her. So big shout out to Elena Foster. Wanted to make sure I slipped that in here. And thank you, Bailey, for making that uh, or for uh, making us aware of that too. Good. Yeah. Band podcast. I love it. Whenever the yeah, band gets some light in the podcast, that's the one. I'm glad we've had a couple positive things to say. One of them's our band in 2017. So thanks for keeping it light, Mason. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, well, I don't have anything more for you guys. Do you guys have anything more? No, I'm. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's a rough week weekend for football like I, I just I am I, I hate that sports affect my emotions too much I, I, I yeah this is just like a personal thing but <laughs> no it's it's the same with literally everybody in the Iowa State's fan base I assure you Newt it's is a direct effect on our weeks it, it does I, I I've um I've worked on meditating after bad Iowa State losses um, where I will literally go and like, I will go in my room and like isolate myself and just do yoga stretches and deep breathing for like 10 minutes afterwards and just repeat. I will not let sports affect my emotions and weekend. I will not let sports affect my emotions and weekend. And it actually helps. So anyone who is still really pissed off today, um, which like, I'm only getting in that a little bit cause I'm reflecting on the game. Think about doing that. It helps a little bit. Uh, you get a nice stretch at a minimum, um, but you know you only get a, Saturday is what we all look forward to. It stinks when um, our favorite team loses, but we also have no um, you know effect on the outcome. So unless you're listening to this and you play for Iowa State or Iowa State's opponents or you're on Iowa State's coaching staff, and if you're any of those people, Robert. please reach out to us and say, "Hey, what's up? I would like to talk to you guys on the pod." But otherwise, you don't have any direct effect outcome on the the game, so. Might as well at least try and enjoy your weekend around that. So, Newt, that's, that's a much my... healthier way of dealing with a loss rather than I'm pretty sure 90% of Iowa State's fan base who downs themselves in enough liquor to pretty much be darn near, near fatal. So, yeah, I definitely still had Miller Lights afterwards, but uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs>